0: Guess what? Chrissy Teigen followed me on Twitter.
1: The Chrissy Teigen. The Chrissy Teigen followed me on Twitter. Did John Legend? No, no. Okay. Well, that story doesn't go anywhere, does it?
0: <laughs> Hi, Ellen Mars. Hello,
1: Patricia. <laughs> Tell them what happened to you. I had a little, a mini little bicycle accident.
0: You guys, she got hit by a car. She has two black eyes. We got on FaceTime. I didn't know. And I just Uh, went, who did this to you? He (laughs) was
1: like, did somebody hurt you? I was like, yes, a yellow cab. It was just a, it was a Demi accident. Are you okay? I'm fine. It was honestly more my ego because no one looks cute falling off a (laughs) bike.
0: I'm. I love you. I'm so glad that you're okay.
1: Oh, thank you. No, it was just. I just my back tire got nicked. I was luckily wearing a helmet. Hey, girl.
0: Hey, girl. It's been a minute since your back tire got nicked. <laughs> oh, oh! I just brought it down. You guys, she's not. No, no, no. Either. I just
1: want. I just wanted to give you some time and space to really <laughs> hear how bad your insults have gotten, and just kind of like work through it on your own. I don't mm-hmm. need to interrupt you, and I don't need to point it out. Okay. <laughs>
0: You guys, join the Facebook group. It's the Obsessed with Disappeared podcast discussion group. Ellen is in there all the time making fools of both of us. Actually, we get trolled in there all the time. People just putting up their Elton John Prince pictures and calling it you and me. (laughs) I mean,
1: mine's not so bad, if I'm going to be honest.
0: (laughs) Also, follow us on Instagram. We're at the disappeared pod. Every Friday night, we go live at 6 p.m.
1: Where, uh, um... (laughs) How's it going over there? How's it going all the way across the river in New York? I'm fine over here in New Jersey. Hey. I just realized I forgot to say at the top,
0: welcome to Obsessed with Disappeared, the podcast where Ellen Marsh and I tell the stories of missing people by recapping the episode of ID's Disappeared that covers
1: their case. With a question mark? You're not quite sure if we do that? You're not quite sure what it is we do here? This
0: intro's been a mess. I'm keeping every second of it, girl. I'm keeping every goddamn second. All right, you guys, season two, episode 12. It's called A Doomed Romance, and it tells the story of the disappearance of Jeremy Burt.
2: A dedicated father leaves his apartment one February night and doesn't return the next day.
3: They just thought maybe Jeremy was just being Jeremy and just needed some time away from people. But
2: then he leaves cryptic text messages for the mother of his child.
3: I had a text, and it said, we need to talk. Jeremy said he was leaving, wasn't going to start a new identity.
2: Yet family and friends aren't buying it.
3: I thought,
4: no way. His daughter was his best friend.
5: His family was here. His life was here.
2: And so were the reminders of a stormy love triangle.
5: She was back and she knew where we lived. So this
0: guy, Jeremy, he has a real weird situation with his ex-wife, right? <laughs> oh god, here we go. <laughs> Ellen, Ellen whose only like relationship status on Facebook has ever been complicated. That's the only word. Sh- this all makes perfect sense to her. For me I'm like this seems a little dramatic. Ellen's like, "Girl, th- th- this this all looks familiar."
1: Yeah, okay, so Kim George lives currently in the current times that we're talking about with her ex-husband, Jeremy, who they share a small daughter named Mackenzie. We immediately go into the backstory about their romance. He was handsome, he was outgoing, he was funny. We meet Jeremy's entire family. So they just say how Jeremy fell in love with Kim. They say he fell for her hook and line.
5: I know. Kim goes, I think that I knew in my heart, that he was the one that I was going to be with for a long time. For a long time? I wrote
0: that
1: down too. <laughs> and I went, oh, not forever. She did not promise forever. Listen, she's keeping her options open. Yeah, she's <laughs> a modern, independent woman. So, yeah,
0: they start their relationship in Pocatello, Idaho. But they say it didn't take them long to realize that Boise was the place to be. <laughs> I know,
2: Boise. As a roofer, Boise offered more opportunities for Jeremy. There was a housing boom and construction jobs were abundant.
0: We see this photo of like a lot of houses in Boise, but we only see the roofs.
1: And I just wrote, <laughs> wow, Boise's got a lot of roofs. You guys. Who knew? You know what they call Boise? What? The roof capital of America. <laughs> It's on all the T-shirts. Did Do you not have a Boise? Yes, I just made it up. I just made it up. It's called improv. It's called Yes And. Just the keep roof going with it. capital.
0: Come to Boise where every house has its own roof. <laughs> She's got T-shirts. Totally. Oh, and one more thing, girl. We, we meet Jeremy's dad, Van, and he tells us, like.
4: He was pretty successful. says, I can't believe I made 183000 last year. Where did it all go? You know,
0: one hundred and eighty three thousand dollars. The previous year's a roofer. Holy shit!
1: That's a lot of money in two thousand seven. In Idaho. I know. That's a
0: lot of money in any time, (laughs) anywhere.
1: Well, I I think that probably Van needed some of that money because he's got that long, luscious hair. And it must take a lot to condition and take care of that hair. You guys, his dad, Van, who's adorable, by the way, has hair as long as mine. Yes. That is not hyperbolic, right? It's
0: so weird. He's definitely like... Again, speaking on behalf of the round-faced people of America, he doesn't. It doesn't look great on him, but you know he loves it. He's just rocking it.
1: Yeah, he's like I, he's like back in the '70s. This was the tits. So- I'm like, just keep it. <laughs> just keep it, man.
5: Jeremy and Kim have always had
1: like a love-hate relationship. They love each other while they're hating each other.
5: You know, they just was a passionate relationship. One minute might be lots
2: of love and affection. And- Another minute might be know, some few bad words.
1: I have a lot to say about that. Do you have something to say? Because you inhaled very, yeah. very dramatically over I did my
0: gay gasp just to say that, like, it's called a toxic relationship, you guys. Thank you. It's called yes. a fucking, this isn't good, like, people in these bad relationships that live for the drama, that's just toxic shit, yep. you guys.
1: That's exactly what I was going to say. We need to stop perpetuating that passion or argumentativeness or a contentious relationship is, like, hot and sexy. Yeah. Like right. Listen, hate can coexist with love and vice versa up but that shouldn't define your relationship no as soon as they said that I was like okay this is not good I don't like that when people say passion for another word to say like they argue a lot and then they love to make up again no and they say
2: but the glue that kept Jeremy and Kim from drifting apart even after their divorce was their daughter Mackenzie
0: seems like the right amount of pressure you should be putting on a three-year-old. That seems (laughs) fair to her. So they had gotten married, had a kid, and broken up. And then in June of 2006, after a year of living apart, they
5: decide to move back in together. Right. Then Kim says, Jeremy and my relationship was going so well. I was looking at getting my wedding ring back. I was looking at
1: getting my wedding ring back.
5: Excuse me. Do you know what that means? That means that she pawned that bitch.
0: (laughs) She went out and pawned her wedding ring. Think about that. (laughs) That's how I took it both times. And I could see the picture of her, like, trying to wrestle it off her finger. Like, Mackenzie, get the lotion. And she's like, (laughs) you know, like the day they had their last worst
1: fight. And she went and pawned it. Oh, my God. She went and pawned it, like, the three missing atheists. (laughs) Girl, how did that musical go again? We're atheists. And Henry, how did that musical go? We're atheists And there's three of us And we've gone missing And there's atheists I don't believe in God Do you know you? No you! Know you? I thought she meant back from him But of course You don't give the wedding ring back When you get divorced I should know That shit's still in my bedside table Nobody come and rob me It was actually really expensive <laughs> Is it really in your bedside table? I was originally gonna like Throw it off a ship Like that old lady in Titanic <laughs> But then I was like, nah, bitch, I'm going to need this cash while my daughter goes to college. And Travis wasn't like a cheap
0: dude. I bet it was a good ring. It was a pretty
1: good ring. I'm not going to lie.
0: I like referring to Travis in the past tense as though he isn't walking around somewhere (laughs) with that hot, tight British body. Do you know what I mean? Oh, that joke was funny until we got to the punchline, huh, girl?
1: (laughs) I don't have any anger management issues around that because I know exactly what makes me angry. (laughs) Yeah, she's real deep in
0: the FaceTime. And (laughs) you seem
1: to love that. It's not so much as what's wrong with me. Uh I'm just going to hold this mirror up to you, sweet Mm -hmm. boy, and I'm going to say, what's wrong with you?
0: Listen, you're the one that married him, and if memory serves, I tried to talk you out of it at least once.
1: Actually, that is not a lie right before my wedding, because Patrick married me, you guys. He's like, is this good? This is still a go? Yeah, yeah. Because we can get a cab and go straight back to Manhattan if you want. He's like,
0: we're good? Even day of, I remember texting my boyfriend being like, I actually don't know how long this is going to take. We might I'll be out of here by 9 a.m. This thing might be over before it even starts. (laughs) So the day that he goes missing, it's Sunday, February 11th, 2007. And he'd been visiting his family and he was with Mackenzie and they made their way back to Boise from where they were visiting his family. Girl, how did they get there?
1: No, see, now you just set it up. No, that's too much of a setup. You're just, no, I don't want, I don't want your pity songs. I don't want your pity song. I don't want that (laughs)
2: Jeremy drives back towards Boise on Interstate 86. He lives in Boise with his ex-wife Kim and his daughter Mackenzie. His relationship with Kim has always been tempestuous.
0: And so there's a lot going on. Remember, Kim and Jeremy have the daughter, Mackenzie. They also live with Jeremy's dad, Van. And so when,
1: everything is going swimmingly. Like, their great. relationship seems to be on the up and up.
0: And like, they're all sort of pitching in. So when Jeremy and Mackenzie are coming back, like they've been gone for a couple days, Kim has just left for a week-long training in Vegas. And they sort of like pass like ships in the night. This is not even a joke. This is real. If Kim is going to a week-long training, for like a job in Vegas. This is 1 million percent in MLM. Tell me I'm wrong.
1: It's so true. I, why are all those trainings in Vegas?
0: And the other thing too, they've done this in past episodes and it makes me crazy because I love the show and it's just bad filmmaking. To show us that this is all happening at night, they are using a shot that they obviously shot during the day. And then they just put like a gray scale over it so it looks dark. But you can literally see none of the cars have their <laughs> headlights on. Everyone has a shadow. People are wearing <laughs> sunglasses. It's like, disappearing. <laughs> Just do a night shoot, girl. Does it cost union actors more at
1: night? What is the story over there? You are a script supervisor with some continuity issues, and I am (laughs) here for it. But like when it's a night
0: shot and you can see shadows and a guy is wearing sunglasses, it's like just it's shooting at night. It's like people
1: knife. walking out of church, like things that can only happen <laughs> during the day. Totally.
0: <laughs> it's like vampires sizzling <laughs> in the background. Arr,
1: <laughs> it's morning.
0: <laughs> so in my understanding, the day that he goes missing, the chronology is...
2: Ben is home and Kim has just left for a week-long training program in Las Vegas. That night, the night he disappears, Jeremy leaves the apartment and tells his father he is headed over to Greg's house to talk about the upcoming hunting season.
4: It was right around 10.30. Said that I was going to have to put Mackenzie to bed. Jeremy left in uh, Kim's car and never saw him again.
0: But then- grandpa with the long, weird hair is like, he was weirdly kind of dressed up for this
5: evening. Yeah.
1: And before I was even writing in my notes, what does dressed up mean? Like does dressed up mean yeah. before I even wrote in my notes, he goes, he was all fancy and a turtleneck. I was like, okay, delete, 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 delete. Now I know what fancy in Boise means. It means a turtleneck. And I have more Boise questions as time goes on. I have like anyone in Boise cared away. in? is it Boise while we're here? OK, so
0: <laughs> that one's rhetorical. Don't answer that one, you guys. That one's just rhetorical. You don't
1: no need to pull over for that one. Right? There's going to be yeah. some pullover moments as <laughs> as we come. So he was meant to go meet his friend, Greg Reno.
0: I
5: met Jeremy Burke at a job about four and a half years ago. We talked about hunting and fishing and his little girl and my little boy and slowly
2: became friends.
1: We're going to get to Greg a little bit later, but that was his hunting friend that he told his dad that he was going to visit. Also something to note, Jeremy left in Kim's car. Right. And then we meet Jeff Woodarchy, who's the detective with the Boise Police Department. And he says something so wild.
3: Jeremy was known to take off for a couple weeks at a time. Uh, He was self-employed. So he had some flexibility in his schedule and he loved the outdoors. So Van thought maybe he had gone up in the hills, just like he had done before.
0: Okay, the cop is saying, yeah, he's gone. By the next morning, he's not back. Nothing to really see here. Even though he like didn't tell anyone where he's going, he probably is just pulling a Jeremy and wandering into the forest for weeks at a time. So I'm going to
1: pull a Patrick right now. I'm going to calm myself. Okay, please, please. One of us needs to. Yeah, I know. I'm going to calm myself and I'm going to ask. Very nice. Okay, I have my eyes closed. I'm focused. I would just like to say, can we all play Please stop going away for weeks at a time without telling someone. Can we collectively Mm -hmm. make that promise Mm -hmm. that if you are a spontaneous fly by the seat of your pants (laughs) kind of person, can we just agree Mm -hmm. to tell people where we're going? Can we do that? How'd I do? Honestly, on a scale of one to ten, how did I do on that? I think you really nailed it because we really need you guys to fucking listen to this and change your behavior. Don't do this! I don't don't want someone to flippantly say, Yeah, you know, he goes away for weeks at a time. I don't want people to say that anymore! I I want that to stop being said,
0: (laughs) Because, honestly, we're just looking out for your personal safety. If you are known to just wander into the woods for weeks at a time, when your ass goes missing, no one's going to look for you.
1: <laughs> okay, do you think they got it? Do you think they got it? Okay. The thing
0: is, you know yeah. you need to change this. You know you need to change this behavior. You need to. You change it right now. You don't do this anymore. You don't. You don't go wandering into the woods anymore. <laughs>
1: Are you trying to imitate me cuz you sound like cookie monster?
0: Yes, that's what I was trying to do. I was trying to do the when you talk to me like I'm a dog.
1: That is such a spot on cookie monster impression. You do
0: not you do not just tell people that you go into the woods all the time. You do not do that.
1: <sighs> so,
0: it's Tuesday, February 13th, 2007. Remember, Kim is at her MLM conference in Vegas where she's learning how to scam people. It's the end of her first day at the MLM conference. She gets a call from Jeremy.
1: We don't know if it's an MLM (laughs) conference, you guys. It is,
0: except for the fact that we fucking know it's an MLM conference. (laughs) Come on,
2: come on. Meanwhile, Jeremy's ex-wife, Kim George, is finishing up with her first day at the seminar in Las Vegas. When Kim gets back to her hotel, her phone rings. The caller ID says, it's Jeremy. Jeremy
5: picked up the phone and said, hey babe, and it hung up. I thought, oh, must have lost connection or something. So I called him back and it went straight to his voicemail. And I never got a call back from him. And then they just go the next day. I was like, wait, wait,
1: wait, 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 Like when you're away from your significant other, there's good night texts, there's good night the calls. Child? Like you're not gonna say goodnight yeah. to your kid? Yeah, my spidey senses went up. So it's two o'clock
0: the next day, and Christopher tells us,
2: then at two PM. She receives a text message from Jeremy that changes everything.
0: And the text says, we need to talk. She she looks at that, puts that phone in her purse, and goes on with her day. Can
1: we talk about that? Can we talk (laughs) about that for a second? (laughs) So you mean to tell me— First of all, I'm going to lay this out, and then I need you to tell me what's wrong with me. Yeah, okay. (laughs) I mean— if I got a text like that, I don't care where I am. Yeah. I'm going to be like, hey, guys, I got to nip out and make a call. Totally, I mean, totally. I, I got to nip out to the lady. Totally. I mean, again, those are the type of texts that make my butt hole clutch. <laughs> like, we need to talk.
0: But it could be about the daughter. Like, it could be anything. You know what I mean? And she just, like, puts her phone in her purse and finishes out her day two of the MLM conference. Uh, no. Ab- Absolutely. No. And I- then she checks her phone at 5 p.m. at the end of day two of the MLM conference.
5: I had 17 new texts. It started with, goodbye Kim, good luck with your life. I'll come get Mackenzie later, don't contact me. I'm leaving.
0: She realizes she now has 17 new texts. I don't think that's unusual in 2020 where we currently live. (laughs) Absolutely
1: not. Right. But like- I have 17 texts and they're all from you (laughs) saying like, hey, did you watch the episode? (laughs) (laughs) Me too. And it's just like line after line after line after line. And then when you don't write me back, I'm like, hi. Yeah. Hi. Hi, send. Hi. Hi, send. Or like when I don't answer a FaceTime and you say, oh, it's going to be like that. (laughs) Yeah.
0: You guys, it's really, really fun being friends with me. It's a real
1: blast. It's going to be like that.
2: While Kim George is away at a seminar in Las Vegas, she receives multiple text messages from her ex-husband saying he is choosing to disappear from their life in Boise, Idaho.
0: their relationship is that it's so not good that, like, Kim kind of accepts that he's the kind of dick that would walk out of her life via text message.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's some next-level bullshit. I mean, he also said, I'm going to start a new identity.
5: I just instantly started crying. His family was here. His life was here. So
1: she starts calling, obviously. This isn't the kind of conversation you have via text.
5: That night, I called over and over, and the phone just kept going to voicemail. Finally, the phone answered and I just was like, Jeremy, please don't do this. I heard a big sigh, just (sighs) (sighs) click and it was hung up.
1: And then she texts and she clicks and she says, is this even You. Yeah. And that's sort of where that part of the story ends. And we rewind for a little bit more information into their backstory.
0: Yeah. So five years earlier, Kim is pregnant and she and Jeremy decide they're going to get married. And like, he's so excited to have a kid. And you can see, like, there's a lot of home videos in this. And you see, like, what a great dad he was and how much he loved his kid. Their kid is so fucking adorable. But we find out that, like, we want to get married. One hiccup is that Jeremy is (laughs) already currently married small, small thing just
1: yes. little tiny speed bump
2: when jeremy was in the navy 11 years earlier he married a woman he met while stationed on a destroyer in japan but after the military back in idaho the marriage went sour and his wife moved back to japan
5: they were completely separated the marriage was over they just hadn't gotten the divorce.
0: They decide, obviously, in order for Kim and Jeremy to get married, they've got to get a divorce. And so they, like, thumb through the yellow pages and they find a divorce lawyer. What is her fucking name? Uh, Jeannie Braun. She's garbage, you guys. This woman Jeannie Braun. Yeah. Spoiler. Spoiler alert. She's garbage. <laughs> because what happens is that, like, he's going to see this divorce attorney and it quickly develops into, like, much more than a client-attorney relationship. Right. But
1: also to note, at this time, Kim was pregnant. Yeah. She was pregnant before they decided to get married this whole time while they're seeking a divorce. Kim then had a miscarriage. This was before they got married. They were devastated. Also, to note, miscarriages obviously not only affect a woman physically, emotionally, it also has a deep impact on a man. I don't want to take away his pain and suffering, you know, of that kind of loss. But they tried again and got pregnant six months later. Keep in mind... He is still continuing his side hustle with slutty Janine. And i you know I am not a <laughs> slut shamer.
0: Yeah, yeah. But, like, they're both wrong. She's not the only wrong. They're both no. wrong. You know what I mean? So Mackenzie, the daughter, is born seven months later. At three weeks old,
5: Kim says... I didn't know for sure, but in my heart I knew. He changed. I officially admitted to myself that he was having an affair with her and I made him move out of the house. Our daughter was about three weeks old. She makes him move out. I know.
0: Think about that, you guys. She, like, makes the hardest fucking decision that she's going to be, like, mostly a single mom and kick the dad out when the baby is three weeks old. Old. That is fucking crazy. Jeremy, what are you doing? I know. Uh, I
1: think that's such an important line, too, that she said she admitted it to herself because yeah. denial is a coping strategy. Yeah. I mean, denial is strong, but it can only work for so long. So they were divorced before their one year anniversary. I was like, can they get like a two for one deal on the divorces?
0: Or? <laughs> but that's when she goes and pawns the wedding ring. It's not in the episode. I'm just convinced that's, that's what happened. You're
1: so right. I didn't even think about that. But that is you are strong. Spot- uh,
0: on. so it's four years later we're back to the present right we're back in the in her hotel room in vegas where she's doing that mlm conference and she is <laughs> saying that, saying that. <laughs> so we're back to the moment where she calls him and then gets the hang-up so she's like we've been through an affair this is not that what the fuck is happening
5: he was home all of the time he never left to go anywhere randomly I knew when something was going on. I'd been with him for 10 years at this point, and I'd gone through an affair.
1: Yeah, I see her point because I do trust her gut instinct, but I'm also like, "Eh, he's He's pretty problematic, right? So- I mean, he's <laughs> he's a problematic human being yeah, in general. Yeah, for sure. But you know, I'm gonna trust Kim and trust what she says. She's skeptical about everything. So Kim calls Van. Van, as a reminder, is
5: his dad. And Van was like, he thought he had just gone hunting, and I told him what had been texted to me, and and he was confused because he didn't know anything.
4: When Kim told me about the text messages, I thought, no way. I don't know how many times he ever text messaged anyone. If he had something to say to you, he said it and he meant it.
0: So now Jeremy's been missing for three days. Kim gets back from the MLM conference and she realizes that her car is gone. Now, Kim is going to tell us at this point, like, she doesn't necessarily think that he left her for another woman, but she did kind of think that he had, like, just up and decided to walk out of her life. So when she sees that he did that in her fucking car, she was more pissed. she's like, no, bitch. <laughs> she calls the cops. Like, before she even puts her bags down, she turns in her husband for stealing yeah. her car. She's like, the fuck's my car? <laughs> the fuck's my car? I <laughs> I love that she's like, you know what? Leaving me is one thing. Leaving your daughter is
1: one thing. You will not take my car, sir. You will not take my 1997 Honda CRV. <laughs> I have no idea what kind of car it was.
2: Because Jeremy told her he was leaving on his own. There is no initial police investigation into his disappearance.
0: Because he told her that he was leaving, they're not really going to look for him. And I just wrote, like, he texted that to her under very bizarre circumstances. That has to be looked at differently than somebody face-to-face saying, like, I'm walking out of your life, right? And it's also, like, if he was going to walk out of their lives, wouldn't he have just walked out of their lives? Yeah. You know what I mean? You're not going to, like, change your identity but keep texting from the phone that has your name on it? Yeah,
1: no, it's all super weird. So the police... Police don't really engage in the investigation at all. And then Kim says, well, he didn't take anything with him.
5: Nothing. And not his computer. Not. Any hunting supplies. He
1: didn't take any of his shit. He didn't take any of his stuff with him. He put on his best turtleneck and walked <laughs> out for the night. That's
0: it. He's gone. He turned around from the mountaintop and he said, you know what? I roofed every house in this town. Now it's time for me to move on. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Just walks <laughs> off into the sunset in a turtleneck.
0: <laughs> I got to find me a town with some roofless homes <laughs> where I'm needed.
1: <laughs> so- we now learn. I love it. I love when they drop these bombs on us like three quarters of the way into the episode. Yeah. We yeah. now learn Jeannie Braun, his mistress slash divorce lawyer. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I wonder if Jeannie Braun, when she was, like, getting her fucking law degree, ever thought these two idiots on a podcast would refer to her as that. His mistress slash lawyer. Like,
1: Jeannie's listening to this, and she's like, that does sound weird when someone, when you lay it out like that. I I know I'm an asshole, but when you lay it out like that, it does sound weird. They're not wrong. Like, she's not mad at us. She, like, likes all of our posts on Instagram.
3: During the course of his relationship with Jeannie, she was charged with several crimes, uh, one of which was a forgery.
2: In 2002, Jeannie Braun forges a judge's signature in a child custody case. 16 months later, she was charged with forgery, intimidation of a witness, and destruction of evidence.
1: So we find out that in 2002, Jeannie Braun was charged with forgery. Not only you guys- was she charged with forgery, <laughs> y'all, this is some big dick energy. She forged... <laughs> A judge's signature oh my God. in a child custody case. And a year and a half later, she was charged with forgery, intimidating a witness, and destruction of evidence, to which she pled
0: not guilty. Here's my thing. Number one, imagine that judge in his or her chambers realizing this bitch forged their name. Yeah. Number one, where is that kid? Is everybody okay? Yeah. Also, how did you think you were gonna fucking get away with that? I know. Where we are in the timeline, like, Kim has kicked Jeremy out of the house for being with this dirtbag while she was pregnant and then gave birth to their baby. So, now that we know that, like, Jeannie is a fucking criminal, Jeremy comes back to Kim. Kim, like, takes him in and they come up with this
2: plan. According to Kim, he said he couldn't let Jeannie get away with the crime. He had a plan he would continue seeing Jeannie so that he could get her to confess.
1: Rather than just wash his hands of it all, he's like, he's like, I got, I got a better plan. I got a better plan. Are you ready for this? All right. Mm -hmm. Keep this. I'm going to continue my relationship with Jeannie secretly. Right. I'm going to record all of our conversations. I'm going to bring them back to you, Kim, my baby mama, who we've now broken up twice, divorced once, now getting back together. I'm going to tell you everything that Jeannie says so that we can really fucking nail her ass and justice will be
5: served i'm like oh my god and kim goes he told me everything and was very candid so i knew a lot of what was going on
1: yeah kim
0: really liked being on the inside of, she this, really, of this
1: she really did it was so many strange things so after they find out that her boyfriend has recorded all these conversations she's like oh shit okay uh no, turns out uh, I am guilty. I'm guilty. Yeah. <laughs> So she changes her plea. The other two charges are dropped and Jeannie gets disbarred a year in jail and 14 years probation. And I was like, a year in jail? That sounds like a really serious white collar crime to only get a year in jail. I know, I know. I
0: mean, forging, like we're talking about the welfare of children. Like it's not just forging the judge's signature. She made it so that the kid went with the parent who the judge was like, no, that kid shouldn't be
1: with that parent. No, it is, it is wildly upsetting. And then get ready for this gag: when she yeah. gets out of jail again, <laughs> they start dating again.
0: When
5: actually she got out of prison, he called me and he says, "Well, guess who called me?" And he tells me it's Jeannie. And I say, "Why would she do that?" And he says, "She wants to get back together with me." And I says, "No." Am I
1: on glue? Like, am I on glue? Like, what the untouched, perfect, entire fuck? They he. <laughs> in jail. His recordings are the things that put her in jail.
0: And she can't get back to him fast enough the the second she gets out of jail. It is bananas. I don't
4: think it was very long at all after she had gotten out of jail. She and Jeremy were seeing one another again. She would even bring lunch out to Jeremy and I as we were working on a house roofing it.
1: And David, the cousin, says,
4: I think he missed Jeannie. I think for a while there he really cared a lot about her
1: Jeremy still loved her and everyone was like don't do that right don't don't do that <laughs> And then, like, apparently the timeline
0: at this point is very confusing because now we're back to, like, the beginning, beginning of this episode where he and Kim are trying to get back together and raise the baby together. So, like, at this point, Jeremy is telling Jeannie to, like, leave him alone, basically. And she goes full fucking basic instinct. Right. She shows up at their shared home one day, like, knocks on the door, knowing that Kim is going to come home any minute. Right. Right? So Jeff totally freaks out. He's like, what the fuck are you doing here? Get out of here. Kim's going to be home any minute any minute cut to kim's interview
5: i worked nights jeremy was at home when i got off work i listened to my messages on my phone and the message was someone knocking on the door and jeremy answering the door and i heard jeremy say what are you doing here and i heard a woman's voice say i just came to see you and he said well kim's going to be home from work in a few minutes what are you doing here she was back and she knew where we lived and I even called her parole officer because she shouldn't be anywhere near him
0: Jeannie had recorded the entire interaction and then left it on Kim's voicemail this is some fucking banana pants bullshit this
1: is the stuff that I talk about doing with you and then you go okay Ellen you had your fun come back to the ground now please
0: I know when you're putting the recorder in your shirt pocket and then like walking up to the door can we all rethink our choices can we all just take (laughs) a step back Jesus just a
1: real quick evaluation check of our own (laughs) mental health is in order So, Friday, May 18th, three months later, a cowboy is heading his cattle a hundred miles south from Boise. Now, I know we can derail on this podcast and take some turns. I know we get shit for it sometimes, but I mean this with all sincerity and all the love and and inquisitiveness in my heart. Are cowboys real? (laughs)
0: Like... (laughs) <laughs> that is a really good question, I girl. It, I really don't know.
1: I thought it was a lifestyle. Like I thought it was like, you know, you attend a rodeo, you yeah. eat some jerky, yeah. you wear the namesake <laughs> boots, the boots uh, of the boys of cows. You mm-hmm. say howdy. Do we have right. any cowboys out there? <laughs> like, my major I don't know. My major takeaway of this episode is there are cowboys. Right.
2: <laughs> Three months after Jeremy goes missing, a cowboy on horseback stumbles upon a disturbing sight while herding his cattle across a secluded desert, one hundred miles south of Boise.
1: I don't know what any of those words mean. <laughs> it was like what? you know those word magnets, like you get in like a totally. box. Christopher <laughs> took a handful of them, and whichever ones ended face up are the words <laughs> he said. <laughs> <laughs> totally, Christopher. Girl, I often don't know what you're talking about. Girl. I know he's so nice and so cute, and so sweet, but so weird. Why does he I say <laughs> these weird things to us? I don't know.
0: Uh, so basically, what this cowboy found was the burned out remains of Kim's car. So remember, like, he allegedly took off in Kim's car. She reported his ass immediately. Yeah, right upon getting home from that MLM conference. Fuck that.
1: I mean, I have never. I don't know what an average burned car looks like. But uh, yeah, this car yeah. is
0: charred. Well, and the point is, like, the, the sheriff of this town is saying to us, like, girl, you got to really try to get here. Yeah. Right.
2: To get where the car is found is no easy task. It was dumped half a mile off a dirt track, traversing sagebrushes and ditches. According to police, it's clear the car was torched deliberately.
0: And think about this. Imagine Jeremy did this himself. I don't think he did. How'd
1: he get out of there? Well, it's nearly impossible to hide your own body. So (laughs)
0: Don't forget. <laughs> it is it is, it is nearly impossible. So if Jeremy did this by himself, which is not what I think happened, but then he obviously had an accomplice. Somebody had to have driven out there with him in tandem or whoever burned out this fucking car because it's so far away it, in the middle of fucking nowhere. And the, they were only able to identify the car by the VIN number. I barely even know what that I is, mean, girl. I the, mean,
1: the, so the license plates were taken off, but the VIN is there on the dash. So that's how you identify a car. So whoever did this is an idiot. They're like, <laughs> let's torch it, but leave the very most identifying piece of information right. of the car intact. Idiot,
0: <laughs> Jeannie, girl. You next time you do this, girl, get that VIN number out of there, girl. Yeah, I mean, they didn't teach you that in law school. That's
1: how you identify. Like, yeah, they charted it. They took off the blades. <laughs> it, I mean, it's like doing a crime and like leaving your business card. Essentially, like, it's
3: the dumbest <laughs> thing ever. <laughs>
1: So, so they, they throw the car for, in, for her forensic testing, and then, of course, they search the area. They do an extensive ground search. Guess how far they searched, girl?
4: We conducted a, a ground search of this whole area, both by foot, a horseback, and, and with four-wheelers. They had had uh, people out searching a three-mile radius around that car.
1: Three miles. Three miles. I remember they searched three miles. Yep. That's right. Three miles. I was like, "Uh, oh, you fell for the three mile one, right? Yeah. Yeah. Couldn't do three and a half. Couldn't do seven. Right. Nope. Just the three miles. Just the three. Just the three. Yeah. Just the three. They, they only go three miles away. We're going to stick with three. We can't make it any further. Nah. Just three. Just the three. Nah. <laughs> three miles. Okay. Go on. So, with the new
0: evidence of the card, the police take a fresh look at the files, and they're going through the bank statements, and they see that, like, the bank account hasn't been touched since the night he disappeared. There were two transactions that happened on that night. One was in Boise around 1030, and another one was 40 miles away, like, an hour and a half later. And so that timeline doesn't really match up. Like, it would have only taken about half an hour to drive that 40 miles. So whoever was using the debit card did something in between. Like, this is information that doesn't really go anywhere.
1: Yeah, and for the next three days, his phone is active. He makes 36 calls. And a lot of those calls are to his own cell phone, which means he was checking his voicemail.
0: Or whoever had his phone was checking his voicemail. Absolutely. And the other calls that he was making were like the one minute calls and they're guessing that like that means he's calling and hanging up on people. Right,
1: yeah. I mean, Or
0: whoever has the phone is doing it. Like it's weird when the episode doesn't take a point of view. Like we're just getting the information but we don't know what that means. Like does this episode think that he was doing it or does this episode think that somebody else was doing it? It
1: sounds like someone else was doing it. I mean checking the voicemails and stuff. And remember if you make a call and someone picks up click it's one minute so it- yeah we
0: learned that in serial God Dana Shivas had to spend a month in the fucking New York Public Library to find an at and contract to find out what it would mean if somebody like just called in and, and 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 it picked up but for just a second right right Dana Shivas you, you've done us all a great service <laughs>
1: um, so we found out that after the car was found they polygraphed quote, Many people.
3: Anybody who knew Jeremy is a person of interest at this point. We have talked to every person that we've located so far that had any kind of knowledge of Jeremy. We tried to talk to them, and so far, all those conversations have led us nowhere.
2: The Boise Police will not reveal the results of any of the polygraph tests.
0: We do know that Jeannie Braun was one of the people that they polygraphed, and but they won't tell us the results.
1: I, Patrick, <laughs> screamed at that. I was like. What? <laughs> Have her polygraph result. I guess that means she, they say she didn't do it. I mean, she denied everything, but also this is a woman who committed forgery and who. I know. First of all, that that was not her first crime. That was the first crime she got caught with.
0: Because someone
1: who commits a crime such as forging a judge's signature is like, I got this, I got this, I got this. And that's just the one she was caught doing. So Uh that bitch, Uh that was not her first time at the goddamn rodeo. Rodeos are things that cowboys go to, cowboys exist. (laughs) Thank you. See how I looped that around.
0: But this is how it ends. It just ends with no answers. The police tell us this is an open investigation. They're still looking. But that's it. That's the end. And so,
1: girl, what did you side-goog? (sighs) Oh, my God. Okay, here we go. Side-goog. Jeannie Braun as of 2018 is still listed as a practicing family law attorney.
0: So that means that she must have gotten like reinstated to the bar. Right,
1: so I had to look that up and it says while it's possible for a disbarred attorney to regain their law license, the process for doing so is lengthy and challenging. However, not out of the question. Sometimes disbarred lawyers can regain their license and go to other states that they could just be reinstated very easily. But from my research, She's still in Boise. And there was a phone number listed in 2018. And you know, I called it. It was disconnected. Um, What would you have said if she had answered? I I, I mean, honestly, I was just going to yes and her until she hung up because I was just going to go with it. But it says she's still in Idaho. In her last documented interview, Jeremy's mother, Cheryl, said, when someone you love dies, you have a place where you can go honor them to remember them. We don't have that place to go. We don't know what happened to Jeremy. His daughter, Mackenzie, deserves to know what happened happened to her dad. And um, finally, Ugh. my bit of research showed that on July 4th, 2016, his wife, Kim George, died by suicide in her home in Boise.
0: So that's Kim from this episode, Mackenzie's mother. Yeah. So
1: at the time of her passing, she was married to a man by the name of Jeff Shaw. And they had another daughter named Ileana. And they, of course, had Mackenzie together. Uh, they lived together. And um, she was 41 years old when she passed.
0: Oh, God, that is so fucking sad. And so, do we have any information on Jeremy?
1: No. No. The family, anybody that you ask, any piece of information, everything leads to Jeannie. But I guess there just wasn't enough evidence. It was a great loss to their family, and obviously we send our condolences to their family, especially those sweet little girls.
0: Yeah. Um. Say something funny.
1: Chrissy Teigen is going to be your best friend. You're going to leave me. John Legend <laughs> will... Probably come to your house and sing songs, and I will be a thing of the past, and I'll be doing a podcast about how my best friend left me for a famous power couple.
0: Bow, Fingers bow, crossed, bow, everybody. <laughs> oh, my God, you guys. Season two, episode 12. Oh, we are getting through them. That one was sad. I know. Uh, it's
1: so sad. I, I That little girl, Mackenzie, is 17 years old now. Whoa. Yeah. yeah. Uh, You
0: guys, join our Facebook group. Get in the conversation. Come hang out with us. It's the Obsessed with Disappeared podcast discussion group. Follow us on the Instagram, you guys. It's the disappeared pod. Every Friday night at 6 o'clock, we go live. We just hang out, get a little drunk, bring the hamster, yell and scream at each other.
1: It's always really fun. Every new Friday night live is more fun than the previous. I know, but it's fun because of the people. Because they're, like, interacting with us and throwing us questions and kind of leading the conversation. Yeah. The only thing we agree to talk about is just to kind of, like, talk about the episode from the Wednesday. Day before, but other than that, it's just kind of a free-for-all, you guys. totally <laughs> It's super fun. I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful for you guys. You guys are so fun. You keep us smiling. Wait, can I say one shout out? Let me just say, the Facebook group is so adorable. Do you know that there is a woman in the Facebook group who acts like the mom who reminds everyone to like drink water? Nicole. I see her. And listen, if you're listening, like, I think it's great. There was one time I was
0: like, she's so loving that I was like, is this real? Or like, is this terrifying? She calls herself
1: (laughs) the OWD mom. And she's like, hey, everyone, just I want to make sure that you guys are all flossing and drinking I, water. I, and I'm like, I Nicole, know, I, I know. haven't flossed today. Thank
0: you. No, she's awesome. I really love seeing her post in the groups. It makes me
1: feel very it's good. It's just a nice, fun, loving community of wackadoos. And I guess yeah. I guess we're like, what are we? The mayors of the wackadoos? I guess I'm the mayoresses. Yeah. We love you guys. Thanks for hanging out with us. We love you. Bye. Bye. Wander over to NPR and write some bullshit <laughs> on their page. Don't don't bring it on a little teeny <laughs> tiny true crime podcast. We wow. don't to hear it.
0: You leave Tamara Keith out of this.
1: <laughs> Sorry, honey, right to your right, yep. to your right, right uh-huh. there. Look uh-huh. to your right and pick up the name right there, right there. Pick it up.
0: I don't know Tamara Keith.
1: <laughs> you know when it says? The following program includes dramatic recreations. Yeah. I literally go, oh, really? <laughs> every time. <laughs> like every time I watch it all by myself. <laughs> It out loud. <laughs> wait, if we wait, Patrick, What? if we skip the part about him driving from his family's to Boise, I can't sing the song.
0: <laughs> okay, then let's let's definitely do it. No,
1: no, now I'm not gonna set up. I'm not gonna set up my own song.
0: What's the song?
1: Oh, I drove out th- like that song. Patrick,
2: you just ruined
0: it.
1: <laughs> do you notice how everyone in the episode said Boise? How do you say it? Well, I say Boise, but everyone in the episode said Boise. Oh yeah, it's like how you say dispatch
0: with a break in the middle. <laughs>
1: okay. That's 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 the that's the stuff we're talking today about in group. That's what we're gonna talk about. Save it for real.
0: Come to Boise where every house has a roof, you guys. It's a real
1: special town. Where every house has a roof, and if you get dressed up, you're in a turtleneck. You
0: literally said Yes me like cookers.
1: <laughs> Your baby voice <laughs> Jeremy's dad says <laughs> uh, um he says he was spontaneous. He liked to do things in the spur of the moment. And I said Thank you for clarifying the definition of spontaneous. <laughs>
0: You you okay
1: over there, girl? No, I, I'm still I'm still a little stuck. I'm still a little stuck. I'm not gonna lie. I've had better days.
0: She did get no, hit by a car cr- yesterday, you guys. <laughs>